These are the tribulations of Paulette. Control Central. I'm not quite sure how I get Mary Grover to believe the bullshit story that I concoct on the spot about how a shirtless Ted happens to be behind the shower curtain in my hotel room wielding my vibrator. I tell Mary that Ted threw his back out trying to put a Red Sox cap on the whopping Jesus on the cross that is anchored to the top of our party tent and that he's come to my room to use my back massager. She buys it. Sort of. There's only one hat for poor Jesus. God punished you, Mary says to Ted. No, I say, it was my idea. God punished me, Mary. I think Mary's right, Paulette, Ted says with a slight wink. I feel that God has punished me, but at least I'll be able to dance at the reunion. This massager of yours really hit the spot. You don't know the half of it, Ted. Pious Mary goes on to tell us that we're all sinners and deserving of punishment as her eye catches and lingers on the intruder, which is still in Ted's mitt. She must be wondering why a black massager requires veins. Ted dons his shirt and leaves, still holding the intruder, ostensibly to go to his own room. I get rid of Mary in a hurry. Then I run down the hallway looking for Ted. I find him and the intruder lurking behind the ice machine. We run back into my room, and he takes me in his arms. You don't need this thing, Pauletti says, as he tosses the intruder onto the bed. I'll be the judge of that, I say, and as we start to kiss again, I notice the time. I've got to get back to the Hibernian Hall. It's too late for any more fooling around. Sadly, Ted doesn't think we should arrive at the reunion together, so he gets dressed and leaves. High school royalty arriving separately at the big reunion? It's just not how I pictured it. Five minutes later, however, Ted is back knocking at my door. I let him in and he's fuming. In our drunken revelry of the previous night, He left his sunroof open, and the inside of his car is a sponge from the two inches of rain that fell while we snored, snockered, in the wrapper. He takes all of the towels out of the bathroom and leaves again. I take a shower, dry myself off with toilet paper, and don in-style reunion outfit number four. An hour later, the reunion is in full swing. My sister Michelle, in a volunteer capacity, is parked at the sign-in table under the papier-mâché cactus. She is nine months pregnant and needed to get out of the house. The job is a good fit, as she and her massive unborn child prevent ten sleazebag classmates from sneaking in without paying. One of the ticketless, no surprise, is Ted. I forgot my checkbook, he says when I shoot him a look. Michelle tells him, Cash will be just fine, Ted, and you owe for the bar sponsorship, too. 
The party rocks. Jesus wears it well. The crown of thorns is covered in a Stetson hat, and all the balloons are intact. The music is great, and the margaritas flow. The food is palatable, and the only real disaster is that the caterer, in a creative blip, thought it would be cool to serve hot chili in Frito Lay corn chip bags. I'm sure that the event insurance, which Dave insisted I get, will cover everyone's dry cleaning costs, along with a few second degree burns. Ted stays pretty much way in the background as I do my thing, which is mostly dance with all my former friends from high school. Why won't Ted ask me to dance? Then I remember that despite what he said earlier, Ted doesn't like to dance. Nor, oddly, does Dave. Who would have guessed? Ted is morphing into Dave right before my eyes. When it's time to get in the buffet line for dinner, I look around for Ted and spot him way off in a corner with some random couples. Disappointed, I find a seat with my old cheerleading squad. As key reunion moments pass by, a toast here, a few laughs there, I start to feel kind of sad that Ted is avoiding me on purpose. Here is the perfect chance for us to hang out and have fun, completely free of spouses. Then again, maybe he's afraid if he dances with me, his defibrillator will go off. When I take a quick run into the ladies' room to blot the chili from my suede pants, I'm surprised to see that someone has gone gangbusters with graffiti on the brown paper walls. Excellent. I knew that would be a big party hit. It's only when I sit down to urinate that I notice that the subject of said graffiti is me. Paulette is a slut, one entry says. King is a bad queen, boasts another. Wow, I think. How high school? And then I remember where I am. But who would do this? I have no enemies here that I'm aware of, and aside from Mary Grover, no one would have a clue about what's going on between Ted and me. Someone wearing sensible Taryn Rose flats is using the stall next to me, though it's highly likely that the gal behind the hate art is long gone. I leave the bathroom perplexed and kind of pissed off. I've had enough. I need Ted. I find him nursing a beer and deep in conversation with our old principal. Sorry to interrupt, I say, steering him away from Mr. Perry, but I need your help with something. In the parking lot outside the Hibernian Hall, I pour my heart out about the bathroom libel and chide Ted for ignoring me all night. He calms me down with a big hug and takes me by the arm to his car. The back seat is much drier than the front, Ted says, and in a true blast from the past, he opens the back door and in I go. Once inside, he hands me his beer and rolls down his window as he lights up a joint. Better, he asks, patting my knee and passing me the joint. Getting there, I say. We take in the sounds of the reunion emanating from the tent. And then I notice that the music has stopped and I hear an amplified voice. Ladies and gentlemen, she's worked so hard for two long years on Facebook trying to dig us all up. And I have to say that she did an outstanding job. Then the voice says, Paulette King, where are you? We need you on the stage right now. 
Paulette King, where are you indeed, Ted asks, laughing as he leans over to kiss me. Well, should I go in, I say, as I push him away. The voice inside speaks again. Paulette King, no hiding. Please come to the stage. We have a little something for you. Then the tent-wide chant begins. Paulette, 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 Paulette. As Ted wraps me in his arms, I succumb to that subterranean kiss again, and I don't need any further accolades. Maybe it's the dope or the beer or the hangover I still have from last night. But this feels so incredibly good. This is exactly, exactly what I have been missing. Ted is leaning against the door, and I'm on top of him, still locked in his lips as we play Cobra Tongue. All of a sudden, the car door opens, and Ted falls out head first in a vinyasa backbend right onto the asphalt. My suede jeans stop me from skidding over him, and I end up with my chin in his crotch. I start to laugh and say, did you press the ejection button? When a female voice says, That was me, you homewrecker. I look up into the contorted face of Ingrid, Ted's wife. I notice that her hands are covered with black sharpie as she hauls Ted to his feet. But it's the Taryn Rose flats that give away the identity of my libelous nemesis. My God, that was her in the bathroom stall. Mary Grover was right. I'm never going to try to dress Jesus again. I've got to get God off my back. You're listening to the absolutely groovy sounds of Mr. Eric Fontana. Thanks for listening. Season three is coming soon. Till then, ta-ta. Some got it good.